welcome to Share Talk. Today I have the pleasure of speaking with Chris Gilbert, who is the CEO of Fox Marvel. How are you today? Stephen, good morning. Good, thank you. Very good. Well, thank you for joining us in your very busy schedule. Um, okay. Obviously, we want to touch base with you. We've not spoke for a short while because you've been extraordinarily busy. And first thing I would like to touch upon is sort of the operational update that was released in December. And yes. obviously, subsequent to that, several things have obviously happened and we'll obviously yeah. cover them as we go along. So yes. if you want yes. to give us a, a breakdown of the uh, operational update and what that meant in the past and how that fits in with how you're going to operate into the future. Yes, yes. Uh, I, th I think the key point that we wanted to make in December was to let people know that we had um, a, a substantial order book um, that we believe um, we will convert into um, sales and revenue, some of which um, we've received in the form of deposits, which obviously we don't recognize as revenue until we've shipped the product. Um, and that in December stood at 2.9 million euros. And that reflects um, or reflected um, the continuing work that we've been doing to um, introduce our material into um, the global appetite for high quality marble. And, and our marble is very high quality. It's Italianate in, in sort of characteristics and style and so on and so forth. And um, as you say, since then, we've been working very hard in establishing our position in the marketplace at the very highest end of the market. So we have, uh, as we said this morning, um, succeeded in getting our marble in some of the most prestigious developments um, in the world. Um, we've uh, got a range of our material, so sort of three or four types of our marble. It's all of the uh, all of the natural stuff in, in uh, a house that's being developed uh, in Sydney, which is, uh, I'm told by the developers, uh, it will be the most expensive house in Australia. I don't know what that means, but anyway, expensive. Um, and we've supplied marble uh, into that development, into that, it's a single um, uh, private residence, uh, into the swimming pool, the bathrooms, the common areas, the reception areas. And uh, we've supplied our switch, um, Illyric White, our Breccia, and our Rosso Kate into that, uh, into that development, as we have to a very, very large mansion in the west, um, on the west side of London. Um, again, we've supplied into that development uh, a range of our marbles, so our Grigio, our Grey, uh, that went into Chelsea Creek, some Flora, which is a sort of reddy brown coloured um, marble, and uh, White Sage, which everybody always wants. Um, and that uh, basically establishes our uh, material at the very top end um, of, of, of the range of, of anybody's thinking. And it's that um, success, that achievement, that allows us to push ahead in parts of the world that we focused on the last few months or the last year, uh, where we believe the volume business is going to come from. So Asia, China, India, uh, and North America, where these uh, wins that we're succeeding with um, are hugely important to people um, and the sort of aspirational quality of, of customer that we're talking to with respect to, as I say, larger volume of sales. And in conjunction with, as we announced um, right at the beginning of the year, um, our factory is coming online um, so that we continue to um, build a you know, sort of fully integrated 
business from um, extraction and querying all the way through to production, processing, cutting and polishing, and then obviously our um, marketing, sales and distribution platform around the world, which you know our stuff actually gets to our customers. So that's what we've been very busy working on, and we expect to start to see the results of that coming through um, fairly rapidly now um, as, as we sort of work into the new year. So, so if I can just break down and sort of simplify the sort of business end of things, um, if we can have a look at your sort of production, where it is, mm-hmm. what you do, and then how yep. that sort of fits into going forward. So, for instance, you've touched on the fact that it was almost going to sort of boutique style um, businesses where they've got sort of a bespoke furniture range. And it's unique and individual to the client. And obviously that will almost be seen as sort of high volume, if you like, because they're able to repeat the same products over and over. And then obviously you've got another segment, if you like, in the custom area. Um, For instance, the house in Australia. So if we can sort of simplify it and break it down into, you know, a easier to understand strategy... It, it, it falls into two strands, basically. We we win these, um, as you say, these bespoke individual developments, and sometimes they're quite large. It's like it'd be a large block of flats, uh, as we as we won um, last year in Lily Square, which is the court development the capital and counties are doing, and then they're building hundreds of blocks, of, uh, hundreds of flats in tower blocks, and our material is installed in the penthouses there. So those orders and that success frames our company as having very high quality prestigious material that, that that we get the bragging rights for basically and i mean also we get the sale and the money and that's all good but those uh, successes allow us to um, succeed in the work that we're doing in the other side of the business which is where we sell volume to big volume wholesalers, distributors, and customers in other parts of the world, who obviously want um, um, material that they can, you know, where where they can lean on that material, and that helps them market into their markets in various parts of the world. So they're the two strands of what we're doing, um, and one into the other, and one leads the other um, because of the reputational um, success that we get from that. Um, as it says on your website, it's basically where exclusivity and the vision connects. So you've got a very good broad aspect there. You're not just going after sort of one client in Australia, for instance. You've got a good sort of turnover in relative terms of volume, but that volume market is obviously sort of still looking towards potentially high net worth individuals as and when it's needed. So if I can just sort of ask in relation to Marble, it's almost the unheard mm. of sort of commodity play, if you like. Everyone's interested in gold, silver, copper, tungsten, zinc, iron, etc. Why is Marble such a special rock? And why is it that it's obviously such a sellable commodity it's almost unheard of. 
I, I accept that I, 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 it's interesting, you know, when as you say, when you talk about copper and gold and, you know, whatever have you, which are commodities that are very, very um, established in terms of their pricing. You know, the sort of the price of gold is the same all around the world on a particular day because Definitely. it's set in the various markets that do it. There isn't a there isn't a market for marble. There isn't a sort of spot market for marble. So it isn't. It specifically isn't commoditized. What it is, or what is, it, what it has become, is a must-have component of high-end residential, high-end commercial, and high-end retail development. You know, natural stone has become the sort of one of the pieces of the equation that you have to have in the mix. In the way that. Um, you know, some people have to have, probably not everybody, but some people have to have cold taps in their bathrooms or something like that. And and it's the natural stone element to the development that gives it the cachet that allows people to demand, you know, premium prices for their real estate, you know, transactions. The issue for us, the bit that we like about this business, is that we're not a very, very large component of that. So if you're talking about our marble in a large block of flats, a large block of flats might cost, I don't know, 300 or 400 million pounds to develop. Um, if you take Audley Square, where we've just been specified, I can tell you that the, the cost of the purchase of the real estate, uh, which was an NCP car park, would you believe, when Cordwell Design purchased it, um, it's widely known that he bought, bought it for 150 million pounds, and then he's paying hundreds of billions of pounds to develop it into this very, very high-end um, residential development. And the marble contract will be maybe five million pounds, which is a lot of money to us, but it's only a fraction of the total percentage of the cost of the whole development. So we like that equation. We like being a must-have piece, but not a very, very large piece of, of these very, very you know, expensive high-end developments. So if you're talking about a 40 or a 50 million pound house and the marble contract is you know, half a million pounds or something, or 250,000 pounds or even less, um, but you, but it's a it's a piece that they have to have. Then that's quite a nice place to be. And we are ourselves a very high margin business relative to other businesses, which is what attracted us to it in the first place. Exactly, and obviously that was going to be my next question. How do you quantify the the sales versus sort of extraction costs in relation when there isn't a market for you to be able to turn around and say, right, per ton of marble, there's a price per value of say a thousand dollars to it and mm, you, you've mm, obviously mm. just clarified that situation so obviously mm. when it comes down to being a unique sort of business model um everyone sits there and thinks about marble and what i would like to obviously highlight is the fact that there isn't just the normal sort of white and gray flecked marble that everyone sort of thinks and assumes there are a whole host and multitudes of colours. Now, are they all found in the same sort of area? Or is it a case well, of you... if a client orders a certain type of sort of uh, coloration or marbling mm, effect mm. in, obviously, the marble, excuse mm, the pun, mm. um, not intended, <laughs> but that's the way it was, do you have to go searching for that? product for them or have you got sort of stockpiles of rock type that you can show them by way of sample 
Mm. Our quarries produce nine different types of marble, ranging from white, as you say, the ubiquitous white and the white flecked marble that everybody knows, all the way through to red marble and some multicolored marble that we call brechets up on our website. And as you say, various people choose, you know, various different types of customers choose different types of marble. It's right to say that right now the fashion cycle is, is entrenched in grey. And we have a lot of grey marble. We have silver grey and we've got a deeper grey, um, very nice grey with a, with a gold vein through it, which people are very attracted to. Um, but it is also fair to say that there are other greys available in the world. Where we win is that our grey is generally speaking very competitively priced because we work in such a low-cost labour zone. You know, the average monthly wage in Kosovo is 250 euros a month, which is sad for Kosovo, but you know, good for us in the sense of our labour cost is very low. So, as you, I mean, you, you, you know, you put your finger on it when you said, well, your extraction costs versus your sale costs is that good? And for us, it's excellent. It creates a very high margin for us. And in addition to that, our marble is very high quality. So we can show that its characteristics are right up there with Italian marble, which is widely regarded as the sort of best. That's the sort of best in the in class. You know, it's the best in the world in people's minds. So we do very well by by being proximate. You know, we're the same geological formation as the Italian marble, and um, um, uh, our costs of extraction are much lower, of course, than they would be in Italy or in most other parts of the world. So we do well on that basis too. Touching, obviously, on the sort of ethnicity of the sort of workers there, you touched on their wage. Um, Based Mm. against, obviously, local markets, would you consider that to be a good wage? And, obviously, is there some sort of fair trade policy that you do for them, some sort of bonus system or anything along those lines? Uh, Very much so. We, 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 We... believe very strongly in being good social partners in the long term. It's good business sense, and we're there for the long term. Our licenses are 40-year licenses, and we have enough marble for hundreds of years, so this is a key to be very firmly entrenched in the uh, the community. And um, we we have lots of um, um, activities that I think speak to that. Uh, In addition to that, we pay a very fair wage, um, in Kosovo. And in addition to that, we pay our workers through the year, despite the fact that our quarries are shut down for anything from uh, you know six to eight weeks, sometimes even longer, um, because of the winter. It's very cold and it's very snowy. So for example, Indeed. last week it was minus 16 in Kosovo and our quarries were under 10 foot of snow. But we pay our workers through, we don't lay them off or anything, because we believe in, in the relationship between ourselves and our workforce. Consequently, they, they, they are a wonderful workforce who do, you know, do very well for us. Excellent. Um, touching, sorry, it, it, it's good to hear that you're obviously looking after them in a very positive manner. Um, obviously, that, that, that's not reflected on the website or via sort of R&Ss. And that was going to be another one of my questions. Reference supply, obviously, during the winters, they do get very hard snows, very cold weather. Um, <laughs> unfortunately, Kosovo and the, sort of the surrounding areas um, mm. of the sort of former Yugoslav republics are unfortunately mm. known for the wars. And obviously, the wars mm. grinded to mm. halt for several months during those sort of winters. Is there mm-hmm. potential there for any sort of issues for ongoing 
extraction of marble or obviously meeting any sort of supply and demands or is it a sort of a longer time frame that you put into place to obviously protect your brand and your sort of uh, relationship going mm, forward mm, working with mm, clients mm. it i mean obviously we work very hard during the summer and you know in the, in, in the months when we can work so we stockpile so we have a lot of material out of the ground that we stockpile so we're not constrained um on the order side um we're just constrained on the production side um, and as you say, it's a longer cycle than that. So we are, you know, we've got stock in hand, we've got work in progress, we've got stock in Italy where we process currently, um, uh, although that's all moving back to our factory now. And we pro- uh, we stock we stockpile in London as well as it happens, uh, and we keep blocks out of the ground in Kosovo. We've got we've got a lot of inventory um, in order not to be stymied by, as you say, the very cold weather and, and temperatures that. that So looking obviously at contracts that you've done previously, what sort Mm -hmm. of things are you looking forward to in 2017 going forward? We're looking forward to converting our order book from the 2.9 million into uh, obviously into sales and revenue. We're looking forward to building on our order book substantially through the work that we're doing uh, around the globe to establish ourselves and um, produce these um, sort of large volume sales. We expect to be able to be talking about that through the course of the year. Um, we're continuing to develop, to develop our quarries and um, obviously we continue our push on our um, marketing sales and distribution side of things to um, find our customers and business in as many parts as we can. We, we picked our spot um, for this year basically and our spots for this year that we've spent a lot of time on last year are basically India, China, and North America, and, and picking up ancillary um, contracts and sales um, as we go along. Excellent. So, is there anything further you would like to add today there? Um, no, I just think that the um, uh, announcements we made today uh, basically prove the model that our material is both desirable, competitively priced, and capable of being used in the highest level of development um, that we see around the world. And that's what we're going to build on through the course of the next 12 months. And and Stephen, I'm very grateful for your time. Thank you. Not a problem, Chris. It's been an absolute pleasure and very informative. And obviously, we filled in a lot of blanks there on behalf of shareholders of Fox Marvel. So, Chris, thank you very much for your time today. Stephen, thank you. As always, it's a pleasure. Great. Thank you.